Just a warning before we start, this episode contains depictions of animal violence. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, the banning of cockfighting in Puerto Rico and its repercussions. In Puerto Rico, cockfighting is more than entertainment. It's a profession, it's a tradition, and it's a way of life. It's also a multi-million dollar industry that employs thousands of people. The practice is passed down from generation to generation. Those who raise roosters say they love and respect their treasured birds. But animal rights activists have long said that this tradition is violent and cruel, and after many years of trying to outlaw it, they finally succeeded. Last month, the U.S. federal government officially banned cockfighting in Puerto Rico. But despite the law, the cockfighters have no plans to stop organizing fights, even if they have to go underground. Adrián Florido is a reporter for NPR's Code Switch, and he's been covering cockfighting in Puerto Rico. He's going to take it from here, and just a note, this piece originally aired on Code Switch before the new ban was enacted. We'll get an update from Adrián after the piece. Here's Adrián Florido. So I came to a cockfighting arena called the Gallera Borinquen. It's this rectangular building on the side of a mountain road in the middle of the island. It's got a huge rooster painted onto the side of it. It's one of the oldest cockfighting arenas in Puerto Rico. And on Saturdays, people, mostly men, from nearby communities bring their roosters here to fight. There's a little pit in the middle of the arena, and it's surrounded by bleachers. It looks like a miniature stadium, and people are cheering for their birds, screaming at each other from across the bleachers to place bets. This man standing on his tiptoes, egging on his bird, is Johnny Rios. What do you feel when you're sitting here watching this? Uh, 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 anxious that you don't want your bird to get hurt, that you want your bird to win. His rooster is looking pretty beat up. It's covered in blood. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to lose the fight because the other bird has just been pecking away at him mercilessly. And it's stabbed Rios's bird a couple of times with its spurs, the little plastic spikes that they attach to their feet. You see right now, you got no strength. You're just looking pretty bad. Yeah, because of that wound that he got in top of the, the leg. But his bird doesn't give up. It gets this burst of energy and it starts really attacking its opponent. And then suddenly the fight takes a turn and it's the other bird that's lying on the ground, gasping for air, unable to get up. It's pretty gruesome. If that one stays like that, we're winning. If he gets up, don't, don't, don't fuck along. After all that excitement, the fight turns out to be a draw. Rios tells a friend to take his bird to the ringside veterinarian to clean his wounds because Rios is going to take the rooster back to his house, heal him up so he can fight again on another day. 
Johnny Rios' house is in the mountains, not far away. It's got a killer view. I got three acres here, nobody bothers me, I raise my own birds. He calls it his finca, his farm. I'm 69, going on 70, and I've been fighting roosters since I was uh, 15. My father was a cockfighter, my grandfather was a cockfighter. So this has been my life and my passion. You can see that from the tattoo on his arm. It's a rooster framed by two words, tradición y cultura, tradition and culture. I just don't put on any regular tattoo that you don't know what it says. Like when you put on those Chinese <laughs> letters, you don't know what the hell is it. Well, I put it on because it means something to me. For most of his life, Rios lived in New York, where he fought roosters illegally. I got arrested about 100 times in New York fighting birds, you know, because I'm Puerto Rican, it's part of our heritage, it's part of our culture. And um, when I used to see the judge, the judge used to say, uh, you're not in Puerto Rico no more, <laughs> you're in New York, and in New York we don't fight birds. Okay, well, I'm fine. So, so he moved back to Puerto Rico, where he built this house on this little mountain peak, He's got his cages and his pens up here for raising his roosters. What's this, what's this one's name? ATM. <laughs> ATM, why ATM? Uh, because he kills them quick. <laughs> you just pull the money right out? Yep. He kills them quick and you go and you, and you get your money. He already killed. He has nine fights. Nine fights? Yeah. Never lost one? No. No. And he has one eye only. In two weeks, on December 20th, Johnny Rios' passion cockfighting is going to be illegal in Puerto Rico, a federal crime. Because last year, Congress passed a ban on cockfighting in U.S. territories, which are the only places that Congress has authority over where cockfighting is still legal. So December 20th, the day that ban takes effect, is a day that thousands of cockfighters in Puerto Rico are dreading. One, because many of them make their living off of cockfighting but also because cockfighting is deeply ingrained in Puerto Rican culture. It's a recurring theme in art and literature. The University of Puerto Rico, the island's most important public institution, has a rooster as its mascot. And so when the span takes effect, for a lot of cockfighters, it's going to sort of be the end of a way of life. Because if they're caught breaking the law, they face steep penalties up to five years in prison. Now, I say it's the end for a lot of these cockfighters, because many of them have no plans to stop fighting roosters, like Johnny Rios. Most of the cockfighters, the galleros, the true ones, they're going to continue on fighting. Right now, I got, you're going to see all the chicks that I got now for next year. So you're not scaling down at all? Hell no. <laughs> you think if I did it in New York, <laughs> that now that I'm in my own country, and this has been part of our culture, I'm gonna stop because Blanquito over there in uh, <laughs> put this law, because these people, uh, what, what's happening is that the American people, they don't know what's behind it. All they see is two birds fighting. It, it, it's not just two birds fighting. It's, it's the economy, it, it, it's the pride that goes into it. It's part of our culture that we've been doing this over 100 years. And then all of a sudden these people who are not Puerto Ricans are gonna come and tell us to stop. Hey, come on, that shit's not gonna happen. He said once the 60 or 70 licensed cockfighting arenas across the island shut down, people are just gonna go underground. He's already preparing a couple of sites for illegal cockfights himself. Now, as you can probably sense from the way Rios talks about this, 
This is not just a story about cockfighting. It's a story about what happens when cultural values come into conflict, about the long history of that happening in Puerto Rico. And it's a story about who gets to decide what Puerto Rican culture is. Mr. Chairman, I have an amendment at the desk. Amendment number 28, report number 115-679. So, you know, cockfighting is already illegal in all 50 states. But for years, animal rights activists, specifically the U.S. Humane Society, have wanted it banned in Puerto Rico and the other U.S. territories, too. And last year, they finally got members of Congress to pay attention. We're talking about things that if it were to happen in the well of this chamber, many of us would look away because we would be shocked at the gratuitous violence. To characterize this as a cultural norm that we should just This is Peter Roskam, who at the time was a congressman from Illinois. He and some colleagues wrote a few lines into last year's federal farm bill to ban cockfighting in U.S. territories. When the ban got introduced, though, it caught Puerto Rico's politicians by surprise. Today I rise to express my utter disappointment with the inclusion of extending of the prohibition of the cockfighting in the territories in the Farm Bill before us today. This is Jennifer Gonzalez Colon, Puerto Rico's representative in Congress, who, because Puerto Rico is a territory and not a state, does not get to actually vote on bills. But still, she took to the House floor to try to get the cockfighting ban removed from the Farm Bill. For the case of Puerto Rico, we've been regulating the industry of cockfighting since 1933. And her argument was, look, Puerto Rico is in bad shape economically. It's in the middle of a 13-year recession. It's billions of dollars in debt. Hundreds of thousands of people have been forced to leave the island because they can't find work. This is an industry that represents more than $18 million in our economy and also more than 27,000 direct and indirect jobs on the island. So we're talking about how distressful is uh, the, the economic situation in the island, but then we are approving another federal regulation without even consulting the people of the Puerto Rico or even the territories. In our case, you can hear she's frustrated because this just felt like the latest example of Puerto Ricans having no real political power. I represent 3.2 million American citizens on the island, but I can vote in the floor. I don't have any representation in the Senate side. But then we have another regulation coming to the island with even giving us an opportunity to debate it or an opportunity to actually vote against it. Gonzalez's objections were futile, though. The ban stayed in. And in Puerto Rico, cockfighters were shot. Thousands of them from across the island took buses and carpooled into the capital, San Juan, and they marched. A lot of them marched with their roosters, raising them into the air as they made their way through the streets. And to give a sense of how much people care about this, I've been to a lot of protests in Puerto Rico over the last couple of years. And other than the ones last summer that forced the governor to resign, this was one of the largest I saw. And the protesters were all saying more or less the same thing. This is our tradition. This is our culture. Throughout the afternoon, politicians from across the island lined up to address the crowd. 
The mayor of San Juan, Carmen Yulín Cruz, she got up into the bed of a pickup truck at the front of the protest. Someone shoved a rooster into her arms. She took the microphone and told the crowd that she'd just signed an ordinance prohibiting city police from helping enforce the cockfighting ban once it takes effect. The mayor said that if federal agents wanted to stop a cockfight, they were going to have to do it alone. She planned to defy the ban. So as this protest was wrapping up, I saw an old man who was walking away from it with tears in his eyes. He was wearing a little wooden medallion around his neck, carved into the shape of a rooster, and a hat with an embroidered rooster on it. And he told me that the news of the cockfighting ban had wounded his soul. He said, you have to understand something. People say this is about sacrificing animals, about animal cruelty, he said. But we cockfighters, we don't see it that way. We respect these birds. We admire them for their bravery. They inspire us. He asked me to come to his house in the town of Vega Alta. He wanted to show me what he meant when he said that they admire these birds, that cockfighting is more than just bloodshed, that it's a tradition with a long history. So a couple of months later, I did go to his house. Coming up on Latino USA, we hear more about Puerto Ricans' passion for cockfighting, but also the other side of the argument. We're talking about cruelty. This is not about somebody's culture or the way they want to view themselves or what they want to respect or not respect. This is about stopping a heinous act of cruelty. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, a truly affordable online counseling service. Fill out a questionnaire online and get matched with a licensed counselor best suited to your mental health needs. Whether it's depression, anxiety, or trauma, BetterHelp will help you overcome what stands in the way of your happiness. Learn more at BetterHelp.com and get 10% off your first month with promo code LATINO. BetterHelp. Get help anytime, anywhere. Hey, Gene. What's good? You know we probably shouldn't be friends. Why are you trying to hurt my feelings? I mean, statistically speaking, most adults don't have a single friend of a different race. As it happens, on the next episode of NPR's Code Switch, we're talking about making and maintaining friendships across racial lines. Listen and subscribe. Hey, we're back. Reporter Adrián Florido has gone deep into Puerto Rico's cockfighting arenas to understand the tradition and culture surrounding the practice. Before the break, we heard from Luis Ángel del Valle, who shared that cockfighters don't see this as animal cruelty, that they respect and admire these birds for their bravery. Adrián is going to pick it up from here, just as he arrives to visit Luis Ángel del Valle's home. 
His name is Luis Ángel del Valle. On the patio in front of his house, he had four roosters tied to cinder blocks. The strings attached to their feet were just long enough so the birds could roam the patio but not attack each other. And they all had names. Electrico, Caiman, Astro Boy. And this one, he said, picking up a regal red and black rooster. This one is my love. <laughs> He's crazy about me, Del Valle said. <laughs> we went into Del Valle's backyard and sat under a lush pana tree, which was just starting to bear fruit again two years after Hurricane Maria damaged it. Del Valle looked up to make sure none of the giant fruits were going to fall on my head. Like Johnny Rios, who we met earlier, and like a lot of cockfighters, Del Valle comes from a long line of cockfighters, his father, his grandfathers. They gave him his first rooster to raise when he was a boy. And Del Valle said he still remembers taking that rooster to the ring for its first fight. His bird lost. It was killed. Del Valle said he cried for two days. But he said what that did was motivate him to breed birds that were even stronger, even more aggressive. He'd travel to different parts of the island, get advice from the old man who'd bred roosters for decades. Some of the roosters on Del Valle's patio today are direct descendants of the ones he started breeding more than 50 years ago. Del Valle beams with pride about that. My roosters are pure, Del Valle said. They're fine. That's why they're so strong. This respect Del Valle has for his roosters is so common in Puerto Rico. So common, there are songs about the relationship between men like him and their birds. This is one of those songs, El Gallo del Jíbaro. It's by the popular folk singer Andrés Jiménez, better known as El Jíbaro. Listening to Del Valle heap so much love on his birds is kind of striking because it can seem hard to reconcile the love that he and other cockfighters have for their roosters with the violence of cockfighting, with tossing them into a ring to peck and claw each other to death. But Del Valle says cockfighters don't see a contradiction there. They see it like this. El gallo, Dios lo creó para eso, para pelear. Esa es su naturaleza, chico. These roosters, God created them to fight, he said. They're bred for this. They fight by instinct from the time they hatch. And because we have such affection for them, we give them the opportunity to do what they were born to do. He said this is what the activists and the members of Congress behind the cockfighting ban don't understand. He gets angry talking about this because he remembers the stories his grandfather used to tell him about the last time the U.S. banned cockfighting in Puerto Rico. 
Y eso fue que cuando llegaron los americanos aquí, en, después de la guerra hispanoamericana, llegaron los americanos, tú sabes. Del Valle está hablando de una historia de 100 años, sobre cuando el U.S. invadió Puerto Rico y lo tomó de España durante la guerra de War. It was a year later, in 1899, that the U.S. government banned cockfighting on the island as part of a broader cultural project to Americanize its new colony in the Caribbean. It imposed English. At one point, it was illegal to display the Puerto Rican flag. Elvaya's grandfather told him stories about these tall white men who'd visit poor communities in the mountains, congressmen. Cuando ellos veían a esos tipos, tú sabes, grandotes, amarillotes, tú sabes... Eso es un cangrimán, porque como le decían, congressman. Lo que yo pude apreciar desde pequeño con esa palabra era un tipo que era listo, tú sabes, como que tenía el poder. They were the people who knew how to get what they wanted, Del Valle said. They were the people who had the power. When cockfighting was banned, it just went underground. And it didn't come out into the open again until 1933, when a Puerto Rican senator convinced the island's U.S.-appointed governor to legalize it. Pues esa gente, pues ahora quieren hacer lo mismo con mi gallo de pelea. Now those people want to do the same thing again, Del Valle said. They want to take my roosters. He said it's the story of Puerto Rico's colonial condition, the U.S. government stamping out the things that define Puerto Rican identity, criminalizing its culture. But Del Valle said, we're not going to let that happen. We work on every continent and in over 50 countries, and we hear this argument about culture all the time. This is Kitty Block, She's president of the U.S. Humane Society, which convinced Congress to pass the cockfighting ban. I asked her to respond to this criticism that this ban is U.S. colonialism. Do you feel like that's what this is, that this is some kind of an imposition, a colonial imposition on Puerto Rico? Not at all. We're talking about cruelty. This is not about somebody's culture or the way they want to view themselves or what they want to respect or not respect. This is about stopping a heinous act of cruelty. Interestingly, I've been reading about some literature, someone doing some research and saying that cockfighting actually is a form of colonialism because that's what the Spaniards brought. And that was something that they brought to them when that was a colony of Spain. So there, there's lots of different ways of looking at that. She said, yes, cockfighting may be ingrained in Puerto Rican culture. But the main point is there are certain acts of cruelty, of violence, that should be prohibited. Whether it's somebody's culture or not, cultures evolve And just because it's been part of your society does not mean that act should stay legal or continued simply because you've built a number of things around it. Because cockfighting is so deeply ingrained in the culture and in certain communities, people have no intention of leaving it behind. They're saying we're going to go underground and that's going to be worse for the birds. But that's like saying don't ever enact any law. Uh, don't don't enact laws where you can't beat your spouse or have drugs uh, to minors. Don't do it because it's just going to go underground because people are going to do it anyway. That's not a society. That's not how a society works. You go underground, you're an outlaw, and you're subject to enforcement and prison time. And these are significant penalties, and that's important. In Puerto Rico, there are plenty of people who agree with her on this who support the ban, who do think cockfighting is cruel, and though it has been a part of Puerto Rican culture for a long time, don't think it necessarily should continue to be. But there's no organized movement against cockfighting, like in Spain, for example, where bullfighting is a big part of the culture, but there are also organized movements of Spaniards who oppose it. In Puerto Rico, there's none of that. I talked to a historian, a man named Juan Yanes Santos, 
And I asked him why he thought that was. Es muy propio de nuestra situación política. Dennis said, look, you can't separate anything here from Puerto Rico's political relationship with the U.S., from the fact that we aren't a state, we aren't independent, we don't have any voting representation in Congress, we can't vote for president, from the fact that we have very little say over our own affairs, that we have everything imposed on us. Sí, tú tienes toda esta cuestión encontrada de gente que no le agrada el deporte, pero que por el otro lado, pues tiene esta cuestión del discurso nacional de, que sale a surgir, ¿verdad?, and so he said, you have a lot of people who may not like cockfighting, who might think it's cruel, and yet something they like even less is having outsiders come in and tell us what kind of cultural practices we can engage in as Puerto Ricans to define Puerto Rican identity for us. And he said that's why a lot of people don't feel terribly motivated to actively oppose cockfighting. And it's why so many cockfighters are planning to defy the ban, to risk arrest, some even say they're going to defend their roosters with their lives. Jose Torres is one of those men. He, like the two cockfighters you've already met, is also a lifelong cockfighter. He also lives in the Central Mountains in a town called Utuado. He also wants to defy this ban. But for him, things are more complicated. Hey. <laughs> Torres has three little kids and a wife, Lismari Rivera. He supports his family by raising and training roosters for fights. He's got cages for 250 birds. 250. They're lined up in rows in his backyard. They're stacked up on his roof. And every day, the whole family gets up before sunrise to feed them, let them out for exercise, if the roosters have injuries from their fights, they tend to their wounds. We sat down in the family's living room. Torres and Rivera sat on the couch. Their kids were on the floor playing with the family's favorite rooster. And Torres had a stern expression on his face. This industry is dead, he said. We're already dead. All that's left is for them to come and bury us. Torres said he could do what a lot of cockfighters are planning to do, to go underground, raise and fight roosters illegally. But he said he's not going to do that. He has a family to support, he said. And if he gets a federal felony conviction and is sent to prison, well, what good is that going to do his family? Instead, Torres is making plans to leave his family in Puerto Rico and head for the U.S. He's still making plans. He doesn't know where he's going to go. Maybe Florida, or what he'll do in the States, probably paint houses or work as a roofer. He said he wishes he didn't have to go, but he has no choice. He hopes he can come back if cockfighting is ever made legal again. But with Puerto Rico's economy the way it is, he said, there's nothing here for him. Before he leaves, though, Torres said he's got to figure out what to do with his roosters. One big unanswered question in Puerto Rico is what is going to happen to all the fighting roosters on the island. By some estimates, there are close to a million of them. Lots of cockfighters expect federal agents to start showing up to confiscate them, the way they do when they enforce cockfighting bans in the U.S. But Torres said... On his property, that is not going to happen. Torres said 
I already told my mother, he said, and I told my wife, that if anyone comes and tries to take one of my roosters, they're going to have to kill me first. And Torres told me that he is not alone in that sentiment. A lot of cockfighters on the island are talking about what they're going to do if federal agents do show up to take their birds. Puerto Rico se pone colorado. Mark my words, he said. If that happens, Puerto Rico is going to be soaked in blood. Torres said that is the most logical thing, isn't it? Because how could cockfighters ask their roosters to fight to the death and not be willing to do the same? Our thanks to NPR's Adrián Florido for bringing us that story. And now that the federal ban on cockfighting is in full effect, we wanted to check in with Adrián to get an update on this story. And just a note, this conversation was recorded before Puerto Rico was hit by hundreds of earthquakes, so we won't be talking about that. Six of those registered a greater than 5.0 magnitude, including the 6.4 magnitude earthquake that devastated the island on January 7th. But to talk about cockfighting, we welcome Adrián Florido. Hey, Adrián. Hey, Maria. So there's been some updates in terms of this story. So what's the latest? Well, when I reported this piece last year, this cockfighting ban had not taken effect, but it did take effect on December 20th. And a lot of cockfighting arenas actually held these really huge cockfighting events in defiance of the ban. Some people said, look, I'd be willing to die to make sure that this tradition is not disappeared. Yeah. Well, how does this actually play out? Yeah, the federal government sort of picking a fight with anyone in Puerto Rico, probably the last people you would want to pick a fight with would be cockfighters, right? Because, um, <laughs> because their whole lives are based on this principle and idea of fight to the death. I heard that idea over and over again, which is if these people think that they're going to come and, and stop us from doing this, well, they've, they've got another thing coming. And, and it really goes to the sense and feeling that a lot of cockfighters have, which, you know, we heard in the episode, that this is deeply, deeply a part of who they are culturally, traditionally, historically, and they just can't give that up overnight or even with a one-year phase-in period, which is what the federal government gave them on this. So this whole notion that the United States, again, the colonial fatherhead, is coming in and saying, you cannot do this, the resistance really feels like we're talking about cockfighting, but what we're really talking about is big hand of power over a small, tiny island that many see is a colony of the United States. Right. I mean, that really is what's at the heart. There are a lot of people, as I mentioned in the episode, who don't like cockfighting on a personal level, who probably would cringe if they ever went into a cockfighting arena and saw these birds fighting, but who aren't willing to take as firm a stance against it as a lot of, say, animal rights activists in the U.S. would like them to, because this notion of we being allowed to decide for ourselves what kind of culture we engage in, that being a more important principle for people than the cruelty of pitting two birds against each other in a ring. And that goes back to the very, very, very deeply internalized sense of being a colonized people that Puerto Ricans have. Now, there's a moment in your piece where Luis Ángel del Valle says, if the roosters were in the wild, 
this is what they would be doing as animals, that this is, like, they fight. Is that true? These particular animals that we're talking about that are bred for this, yes. At this point, people have been breeding these roosters to be cockfighting roosters for generations and generations. So there are changes taking place at a genetic level that makes them instinctual fighters. You know, the counter-argument to that is, well, then let's stop breeding birds to be fighters. There's this sort of interesting dilemma because there are hundreds of thousands of them. We can't fight them, but also we can't set them free because they'll just kill each other anyway. Tell me about women. Is there an element around gender and cockfighting? When you walk into a cockfighting arena, you see almost exclusively men. There are women who fight roosters too, I mean, in much smaller numbers. But if you ask them, do you feel when you come into these arenas that you are looked down upon or that you're not really welcome there? One woman I I spoke to, she said, oh, yeah, every single time, and I've been fighting roosters for years, she said that most men would say, no, 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 I don't fight my roosters with women. Uh, And she would say, well, I don't understand. What's the problem? I'm not fighting you. It's our birds that are fighting. Eventually, when she would go around trying to find a match for her bird, she would say, oh, this is my husband's bird. I'm trying to find an opponent for it. And then they would agree. And it wasn't until the two birds were released into the ring and she's like stands up cheering her bird on and her name shows up on a little plaque that her, her opponents would realize that actually it was her bird. And she said that the sweetest feeling was when her bird would win. So, Adrian, you did not grow up in Puerto Rico. No, I'm Mexican. Right. As journalists, we go into the front lines. So you're in the front lines of having to watch a cockfight which Mm -hmm. usually, if I'm not mistaken, ends up with one being killed, right? Often, yeah. I mean, not always. Uh, Often does. What was it like for you? Like, what did you take away personally from it? I love animals. I'm not really into bloody violence. I went to, you know, maybe half a dozen cockfights. I would avert my eyes when things were getting, like, particularly gruesome. There was this interesting moment when I was sitting with Johnny Rios, who is in my story. I remember leaning over to him at one point and saying, I feel bad for the birds. He said, you're not Mexican. (laughs) He said, you're a white boy. Uh, And, you know, it's kind of got to this idea that, like, people here don't cringe at this because we're so used to it. It's so much of our culture. If you're cringing at it, then that means that you're you're an outsider. So, Adrián, you've spent a good part of the last year or so in, in Puerto Rico reporting on a lot of different issues. So I'm just wondering, in terms of the general status of the island, how people are feeling about things, how does the story of what's happening with cockfighting, how does this story fit in? What's interesting to me is that Puerto Rico's government has taken this really strong stance against the cockfighting ban, going as far as to sign this local bill, basically saying, you know what, we are not going to obey this because this is a real imposition on us. Taking the kind of stance that it hasn't taken on a lot of these other issues that a lot of Puerto Ricans feel are actually bigger, more important issues. There's kind of this interesting dynamic on on the island where people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, why is this the issue that is getting you to pay attention to this unequal relationship that we have with the United States and all the ways that it harmed us over the last many years? It's good that we're standing up to the U.S. government with cockfighting, but also We should be doing it on all these other really huge, important issues that are going to determine the future of Puerto Rico for many decades to come. Adrián Florido, thank you so much for joining us on Latino USA and for all of your reporting. No, thanks, Maria. NPR's Adrián Florido.
This episode was produced by Adrián Florido and Maria Paz Gutierrez and edited by Allison McAdam and Leah Danella. Special thanks to the folks at NPR's Code Switch and to NPR engineer Isaac Rodriguez. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Fernanda Camarena, Sofia Paliza Carr, Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoka, Maggie Freeling, and Alisa Escarce, with help from Ginny Montalvo and Joanne DeLuna. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fiderholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Julia Inés Esparza and Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, I'll see you on all of our social media. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by the Wincote Foundation. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. And the Heising Simons Foundation, unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. I'm Maria Hinojosa, and next time on Latino USA, we bring you one of our How I Made It segments. This time, Grammy-nominated artist Jesse Reyes sings from the soul. That's next time on Latino USA. And on the Bible, I think you're the love of my life. Maybe you could hop on a flight to find me. I feel like I need you tonight beside me.